Hey, welcome to Church Alive. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Last week, we began our Easter with the title of The Greatest Story and really said this, the greatest story was played by the greatest man to fix the greatest problem. And so I want to kick off a series in our church. Starting this week, it'll be a three or four week series. Not sure where we'll go with it yet, but on the greatest man. Someone say the greatest man. man. The book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 actually talks about the motivation for Christians. It is the motivation. Whatever you do, someone say whatever. whatever. Doesn't matter what you do. It says whatever you do. Working or playing or serving or in church or whatever, wherever you go. Here's the motivation for every Christian. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is putting your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. And how many know that to have this type of motivation is a great thing, but that's not always a reality? Right? It's kind of like having a core value of something, but how many know core values are meant to stretch us to become more, but often we seem to fall short of those core values. And so as as people of faith and people of Christ, if you're a Christian here, literally the motivation of our lives should be centered on Christ, but life seems to get in the way and, and, and busyness gets in the way and all kinds of different focuses get in the way, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and I want to talk to you along this line today of why was Jesus the greatest man? Why was he the greatest man? Why would we come and worship on a, on a weekend? Why would we say, everything I do is going to be for this man? Like, why? What in the world? Like, why wouldn't you just do it for you? And so I want to talk to you today about why he was the greatest man. And I could hit all kinds of things. I could talk about the claims of Christ. I could talk about how he's the way and the truth and the life. And I could talk about how he actually said, Thomas said about him, my Lord and my God. And um, I could talk about how um, that he's the good shepherd. I could talk about his miracles. And obviously those are really signify everything that Jesus did. And, and uh, he raised the dead and he healed things that no one of th- that day could heal. I could talk about his prophecies of how he prophesied that his disciples would leave him. He prophesied that um, Judas would betray him. He prophesied that he'd die and the way that he died. And then he prophesied that he'd come back three days later. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't know if you know that or not. But then he prophesied that the temple would be torn down and it's torn down 30 years after his death And then he prophesied something that's never happened in the history of mankind. A a nation is literally destroyed and is basically gone for 1,700 years. And then that nation comes on back. And do you know that Jesus prophesied that? And that has never happened before. Is anyone with me today? But today, I, I do want you to think today. So it may not be a shouting message. It may not be a, a, we're leaving and just like, my goodness. But hopefully, you know that sometimes an unthought out faith is actually a shallow faith. That if you and I are not challenged to think a little bit deeper about our lives and think a little um, deeper about what we do, then sometimes we can shout Jesus and that our lives actually are a little bit hypocritical. And no one wants to be a hypocrite, do they? I don't think anyone writes that on their resume, (laughs) hoping to be a hypocrite. It's not a core value, is it? But I would say this, that the, re- the greatest man had the greatest character. 
And in a world that is looking for leaders and looking for character, we often find that the leaders that we're choosing are sometimes a little bit less than what we're hoping for, right? So when a, a Supreme Court judge is about to get nominated, what do they do through his life? They begin to sift through his whole life. And is there any statement? Is there any tweet? Is there any action? Is there some inappropriate relationship with money or with, with, uh, with another woman? Is there something that we can find dirt on this man? And then if you go to politics, obviously, and, and governmental leaders and so forth, as soon as someone says, I'm going to run for office, what does the other team do? They immediately go and try and dig for something. What are they looking for? They're looking for cracks in character so that they can discredit the person. And this is the essence of the trial of Jesus. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 26. In verse 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. Now watch this now. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And then the priest, high priest, stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us. If you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus replied, you've said it. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of God's power coming on the clouds of heaven. And then at that moment, the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, blasphemy. I want you to notice for a second that the charge they bring against Jesus is something so ridiculous. It's like he said Like the worst thing they could find was he said he'd build a temple and rebuild it in three days. Really? That's the worst you could find? Like not there was this one spring break, Jesus, and we were in Nazareth and you went to Bethlehem and we heard about you. Not there was like money challenges. And and how many know that Jesus was the most famous man of all time in that in that country region and how many know that that draws its own challenges it draws its own attention if anyone could have had inappropriate relationships trust me Jesus had the opportunity for that but there is in all of the research in all of the history done on Jesus there is not one iota of one micro amount to, to literally say this man was not above complete reproach. And it is refreshing because how many of you know that you and I aren't like, quite like that? Yeah. And so if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to authenticate his character. If I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, if I'm going to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, be the Savior of my life, if I'm going to do that, I need someone who's better than me. I need someone who's perfect. I need someone who's so good that you're just like, you're so good. It's, I don't know what to say about it. Like your money. I mean, the only thing you could say about Jesus with money was he chose a bad counter. Judas, like Judas used to steal the money. and, And that's the only thing you could say. And there is nothing about him. For instance, if you compare him to some of our presidential candidates, there's or, or, or anyone running for any type of office, you've often found there was a, a failed marriage or there was a failed this. And, and, and even if you go to 
religious leaders. Like Muhammad had 14 wives. That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know about you. I haven't met you. But I haven't met a lot of people who've had that many. But he did allow his followers to have four. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. <laughs> I'll have 14, you have four. But there's none of that in the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. See, the greatest man actually had the greatest character. Yeah. And what I want to point out is not just he, he, that he was blameless when people looked at him and said, we can find nothing in him. But then it was his speech that actually revealed to him, to us, how great he is, how perfect his character is. Because how many know that when you're stressed, things come out, yeah. words come out. When you're a little bit stressed, some words come out. When you're a lot of bit stressed, more words come out. Like if I was to bring some of you up on stage for a second, I was just get a hammer and just put your thumb here, and I was just to bang it, and I was to put a microphone at your lips. I just wonder what you say. <laughs> and some, and and not to be. <laughs> like how many of you know it get it feel very unchurchy quite quickly. Like oh, I didn't realize that was in there. And some of you, when, when, when you get a parking ticket, and some of you get pulled over, you're saying all kinds of nice things about police officers, aren't you? And if you ever have an argument with your wife, or ever you have an argument, someone was watching, actually my wife was watching with uh, some people over house yesterday, this is us, and, and the marriage fight that they were showing on TV, I had to walk in because it felt so real. I was like, this is real. I, I had to walk in because they were yelling at each other so much and it was getting mean. And then Jesus is getting crucified and he's either completely silent or love is pouring out. Yeah. And it is the most impressive thing. He is beyond reproach. He is, he, they cannot find anything wrong with him. And then when he's being tortured, like there's nothing like, I can't wait to send you to hell. Like he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, guess what? I'm going to allow Satan to curse you. And then he's hanging and dying between two criminals and he doesn't say anything like, you deserve it, but I don't. How many of you would at least like to yell a little bit at the guy who's putting a nail in your hand? Yeah. I will visit you <laughs> and I will kill you. And his words are just ridiculous. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And you'd be like, yes, they do. They've got a hammer, they've got a nails, and they're doing it. And you're like, they don't know what they're doing. I would argue differently. Yeah. And love pours out. Yeah. And a thief asks him, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? Nine most powerful salvation words. Yeah. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? And then he responds with eight words. Today. I tell you, you'll be with me in paradise. Like just love oozed out. And that's why you and I can follow Jesus. And that's why you and I can worship Jesus. Because let me assure you today of this, you are following someone. 
And I cannot find anyone in the history of mankind that even comes close to the morality and the perfect character of Jesus. And so who else are you going to follow? And you literally might go, well, I'm going to follow me. Are you sure? Because you're not that good. And I'm not that good. And the best people I know are only good. Hear me now. The best people I know are only good because they follow Jesus. Like the best people I know and have ever met are only good because they follow Jesus. Like let me give you this example how much Jesus changes people's lives. Let's pretend for a moment you are walking down a dark alley. It's dark. It's getting nighttime. And nine large significant men come out. And you're like, oh. And how many of you would be slightly encouraged if you now knew that these nine men were heading to a Bible study? <laughs> like, glory to God. <laughs> What's up? Right? That says something, doesn't it? You're in a dark alley, and the only thing that encourages you is they follow Jesus. Because if they follow anyone else, you're screwed. Are you with me? Yeah. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Okay. And the only time he opened his mouth, love poured out and truth poured out and grace poured out. Wow. Like there is no one like Jesus. Yeah. Listen to the uniqueness of his language. Luke 23 verse 7 says, A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. He has been beaten 39 times at this point. He is carrying his own cross to a hill where they are about to crucify him. He's been beaten by Roman soldiers, which means he's black and blue all over. He has thorns on his head. And women say to him, uh, they're crying. And Jesus literally looks at them and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. I'd be like, cry for me, pray for me, send angels, help me, help me. (laughs) But weep for yourselves and for your children, verse 31, for if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? It is unique. But what I want to talk to you about the most and where I want to kind of try to hang my hat today is this, what is most unique about the character of Jesus is, is not just his claims and not just his character. Well, it is his character, but let me reveal part of the character is this, is his treatment of those who are basically the down and outs of society. And this is revealed in numerous different places, but I think one of the best places is in the Gospel of John. And let me give you the backstory behind him bumping into a lady whose life has not been nice to her. Her relationships are never enough. Hope you heard the song in there. (laughs) This woman marries a man and she's like, yes, it's going to be awesome. And he dies. Later, marries another man. And this guy is a womanizer and cheats on her and runs off with a younger woman. This woman marries another man, and this man is a drug addict, and he leaves her. And the next one, she's just like, you know what, let's try lucky number four. Marries a man, 
and he is a soldier and perhaps he dies. And another man she marries and like, you know what? I'm not going to live the rest of my life alone. I don't even like this guy, but I'm marrying this guy. And she marries him and he goes to the hospital one day. And at that time, he never comes back. Divorced five times. And now she's hooked up some other dude who doesn't treat her well, but she's like, what the hell? She walks in the middle of the day to a well, and all of a sudden, she bumps into Jesus. She is a Samaritan, which means she is a half-breed Jew, which Jewish people hate them. They literally despise them. And Jesus walks up, and all of a sudden, he says this, woman, can I have some water? And she literally is like, I ain't getting you water. Where's your bucket? And she sips a little water, and she's got attitude, and life has not been nice to her. And then Jesus continues to say, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would ask for eternal life. You would ask for the gift of life. And, and it's as if in the text, if you read the text, it's a sarcastic answer. Because she goes, where's your bucket? Are you greater than Abraham? Are you greater than Jacob? And uh, Jesus keeps talking to her about this incredible gift that he has for this woman. But there is a hardness to her heart and a hardness to the way she thinks. And she's just like, whatever, you are a loser. Because she's been so burnt by men. And then finally, Jesus says, hey, go call your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. And then he goes on to say, he says, you're right, you've had no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. And now all of a sudden, how many know you have my attention? When you tell me that I was born in this place and this place, and this went wrong, and this went wrong, and that went wrong, and that went wrong, and all of a sudden, you're right. All of a sudden, you have my attention. And she says, I perceive, sir, that you are a prophet. Notice what Jesus does. He doesn't beat her, and he doesn't even literally say, listen, lady, you're an adulterer. He does none of that, right, church? He actually draws near to this woman who culture says he shouldn't even talk to. Jewish people say don't even talk to her. You are a known figure, and this is a despised woman, and the God of the universe through his son is drawing near to the least. If you are going to influence Samaria, go to the governor, go to maybe a woman with great reputation, but do not go to this woman. She has had a dysfunctional life. She's on on Oprah. She's on Dr. Phil. She's telling her stories. Her life is a mess. And Jesus is drawing close to this woman. And what's amazing about this story is that then when she all of a sudden says, hey, I, I perceive you are a prophet, she begins to get a lesson from Jesus like few others get. And what's amazing about this is Jesus is clearer with her than he is with many other people. He teaches her about worship. He teaches her about eternal life. And he teaches her about her value in God. He is clearer. Watch this now. He is clearer with the broken and the humble than he is with the prideful. He is clearer with this woman. He, He gives more clarity. The Bible spends more time telling a story of Jesus meeting with this woman than many other moments. And all of a sudden, he's teaching one person. He's not teaching to the crowds. He's not preaching to the crowds. And here's what the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse, you're going to have to skip on down, guys. says this in verse 23. Yet a time is coming, says it now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of the worshippers the Father seeks. And God is spirit, and his worshippers must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Do you know that Jesus didn't even do that to many other people? He says, Amen. He reveals himself to a woman who's had five divorces, living with someone, and is basically an outcast of their culture, an outcast of the Jewish um, system, and he reveals how great his character is. Why? Because he's not trying to impress people who are important. Hear me now. It is easy to try and impress people that are important. Haven't you ever found that you might try and impress someone that you think is important? But isn't it amazing that Jesus, who is so important treats this woman better than he does perhaps a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a governmental leader. And so I want you to see the character of Jesus. Why can you and I follow Jesus? Because he is the greatest man with the greatest character ever live. And check this out. Most powerful men in this situation, when they see a woman who's been used and abused, also use and abuse her. Hear me again. Many, not all, but most powerful men, when they see a woman who's been used and abused, often see it as an opportunity to use and abuse. But Jesus takes this woman, gives her more of a sermon than anyone else. And then when she says, I'm hoping the Messiah comes, he literally looks at her and says, Amen. He wasn't even that clear with some of his disciples. So can I suggest today that every single one of us can trust in Jesus? Why? Because he is the greatest man, because he has the greatest character, and there is no one flipping like him. When he speaks, love oozed out to a woman that relationships were never enough. Life was never enough. He literally says to her, I am more than enough. Never enough. Like never enough. She never had enough relationships and she looked for them. Believe me. And it's just like, Lord, it's never enough. He says, I'm more than enough. I'm the well that doesn't run dry. And and, And the reality is for you and for me that My character and your character, though we should be growing and godly and all that kind of stuff. Do you know that your character is never enough? It's not quite enough. It's not quite good enough. But Jesus says, I'm more than enough. So his invitation for you and for me is, though you're not enough, and it's never going to be enough. He says, I am more than enough. And the essence of our faith is to focus on the greatness and the grandeur of this great man, Jesus Christ. I hope your life flourishes. I hope your family flourishes. I hope your finances do. I hope many dreams come true. But let me say this. The essence of Christianity isn't that. It's following Jesus. It's following that man because there is no one like him. Why can we worship Jesus? Why can we love Jesus? Why can we literally say, Jesus, I'm going to do everything for you? Because he did everything for us. Come on all across this place. Would you close your eyes?
Would you bow your head? Oh, Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for who they are. I lift them up to you right now, Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would illuminate Jesus. Take my attempt at glorifying the grandeur of God and just elevate Jesus in our hearts. Elevate Jesus in our minds. Elevate, Lord, right motives. Elevate character. Elevate people. Spirit of the living God, do what only you can do. Take these moments. Make them miraculous. Breathe upon your sons. Breathe upon your daughters, Lord. Oh, we love you. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one moving around in these moments. You might be here today and you may have a concept of Jesus. You might be like, yeah, I kind of believe in Jesus. Jesus offered a woman eternal life and he says it is a gift. And the gift that I give will never, never run dry. It is the greatest invitation going on planet earth. There is none like it. If you have a concept of Jesus, but you've never trusted in Jesus for the gift of eternal life, today, would you make a decision? Would you say, Jesus, I need to trust you. I need you to give my life to you. Holy Spirit, would you fill my cup? So all across this place, we're going to pray a prayer, and that prayer will lead us to a person. His name is Jesus. There is no one like him. Come on, as a church family, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe and declare you are the greatest man in my shortcomings and failures. I ask for your grace and your forgiveness. And today, I trust in you. Help me follow you for the rest of my days. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be in here today and you know without a question, You didn't know Jesus, but right there, you prayed a prayer. And that simple prayer, by faith and grace, connects you to the greatest person. So all across this place, if you mean business with God, would you let me know just by raising your hand? One, two, three. Quickly, all across this place, raise your hand. Say, yes, Pastor Anthony, I'm placing my faith in the person of Christ. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, over there. Thank you, that one in the back and that one in the back. That's awesome. Come on, those of you... uh, Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Awesome. Anyone else today? Thank you, sir, over here. Thank you, sir, over there. Thank you, ma'am, over there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Once you've put up your hand, you can put that on down. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you right now for every life, every heart. Saint Jesus, I need to follow you. I ask you to touch my world. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone said. Come on. Let's give those people a hand who said yes to Jesus. Come on. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.